Good morning, everyone. So as Andy said, my name is Anna. If you don't know me, um, I am the worship pastor as well as the community and social action manager. And if you can think of any ways to make my job title longer, please let me know. Um, so there's something that some of you might already know about me. Um, and some of you, if you've seen my surname, you might have guessed it. But for those of you who don't, my surname is Kozlovska. If you're European, you could probably work out that sounds quite Polish. Well, it is Polish. Um, so a bit of a backstory. My grandfather was Polish and he moved to this country in World War II. And his story, he has an amazing story. Um, I love talking about it, so feel free to ask me more. Um, where he, well, my prababsha, so my great-grandmother, took my grandfather and my chacha, which is my auntie, through... Um, from Poland, through Iran, through Tanzania, and eventually ended up in South Africa. That was their journey in World War II. From here, they got on a boat from the bottom of South Africa and eventually ended up in Wales, and that's how they ended up in the UK. It was a long journey, a hard journey. Unfortunately, my grandfather passed away when my dad was in his 20s, so I never, I never got to meet him. But it has been drilled into us that we are Polish as grandchildren, that it's in our blood, it's in our DNA. And as a result of this, we take part in a number of different Polish traditions which have been passed down and down. And there's one specific tradition which came to mind when thinking about hospitality. I'm afraid I'm going to talk about Christmas. I know we're in January and we already had Christmas, but... Um, Christmas Eve is our biggest celebration as a family. Not Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. Um, and we start cooking Polish food from the 23rd, the day before, uh, and we don't finish until the afternoon of the 24th. So we fast all day on Christmas Eve, and the house starts to smell of sauerkraut and beetroot soup, and it's amazing. It, for me, it, it smells like Christmas. Um, and then... When the first star comes out at night, that is when we eat. It's so much fun. Uh, we, have, we basically have a big party. My grandparents come, my babsha on my dad's side comes. Neighbours come, friends come. We end up with a lot of people. But there's one tradition that we always do, and that is to lay an extra place at the table. It is for the unexpected or the uninvited guest. So we put out a bowl, a plate, a glass, cutlery, and a chair, and it's always left out for the unexpected or uninvited guest. And quite often, we actually do end up with extra people as well, um, often more than one, so we maybe need multiple extra spare um, seats, but it's really fun. But it does mean that if anyone comes and they've not been invited, that they don't feel uncomfortable, but they get brought right into the centre of what's going on and they eat with us and they party with us. So you might be wondering, how does this relate to the scripture that Alex read for us earlier? Well, I think we're going to go through it because this scripture is an amazing picture of how hospitality is a byproduct of aligning our hearts with the Lord's. So, in Isaiah verses... One to three, if Titus doesn't mind sticking, um, probably two and three are the good ones to put on. So we read of how God's people appear to be doing all the right things. They fast, 
they pray, they seek out God, yet God doesn't seem to answer them or even hear them. For us today, this can look like going to church every Sunday, going to every prayer meeting, praying every day, singing the loudest in worship with our arms in the air, yet we're feeling like God is ignoring us. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I know I have. So going further in this passage from verses 3 to 5, we see that God has an answer to why they have not heard his voice. And at first it kind of sounds quite harsh, but I actually believe that this, this reveals something really beautiful about God's heart for all people. So it is clear that the Israelites, who are God's people, were being hypocritical. They only appeared to be doing the right thing. It was a performance, and their hearts weren't in the right place. Whilst they were fasting and appearing holy to all those around them, they were using the day of fasting as an excuse to not pay their workers. Instead, they were exploiting them. In other words, they looked the part, they acted their part, but their hearts weren't quite in it. You see, they were treating God as a slot machine. If I pray enough, if I do enough for God, then surely he owes me an answer to my prayers. Surely. I wonder if you've ever thought like that again. I know I have. And the thing is, it just doesn't work like that. And this isn't to say that we shouldn't pray or we shouldn't worship or we shouldn't go to church. These are gifts from God. However, what the Lord goes on to say in this passage reveals that our time with the Lord should lead to something more. And in doing so, it should lead to revealing his love for the people around us. So this is what God says in verses 6 and 7. And I'm going to add in, as well as fasting, the word worship. Is this not the kind of fasting or worship I have chosen? to lose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, and in other translations, to undo the heavy burden, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. God is explicit here. He wants more than words that we don't mean. But he places a call and commission on my life, on your life, on all of our lives to, be, to use our giftings to reflect God's heart for all people, for the burdened, the bound, the oppressed, the hungry and the chained. If we spend our time praying, wanting to further our own agenda and in doing so, ignoring the, the needs of the people around us, our prayers fall on deaf ears and our hearts need to be realigned with the Lord's. This passage ends with God's promise for, what, for when we, what would happen when we engage in true fasting or in true worship. So then your light, in other translations, your salvation will break forth like the dawn and your healing or restoration and new life will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. What amazing promises. I wonder if you want that new life, that light and restoration from God. 
So be confident that when you cry for help, the Lord will say, here am I. I know I want that. (laughs) So how do we then move from hypocritical Israelites to people whose hearts are aligned with the Lord's? You see, the Israelites only offered God a part of their hearts instead of their whole hearts. The God of creation wants every part of your life. So it starts with knowing who God is, because when we're reminded of who God is and our eyes are fixed on him, he then reveals to us more of who we are and our purpose and his purpose for us. So we have to surrender all to him. We pray. We pray that God would align our hearts with his. We pray his kingdom come, his will be done, not my kingdom come, not my will be done. We open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. We give him permission to use and to work through us. And this, from this place, this is where we start to see transformation in our own hearts And these are the hearts that the Lord can use to bring transformation to the world around us. We say, God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. And then we start to see each other through God's eyes. We see every person as made in the image of God, made for a purpose, beautifully and intricately made by the Creator. We stop seeing people as a waste of space, and start seeing them as loved. You may think, how does this quite relate to hospitality? Well, let me turn the page and tell you. So let's look at Jesus. He was all about the ministry of hospitality. He ate with people. He was hosted and hosted people. His first miracle was at a feast. Do you know the water into wine was his first miracle? In his last moments with the disciples before the cross, he spent time eating with them. And later this morning, as Andy said earlier, we will share in that family meal together, modelled by Jesus as we take communion. The imagery of hospitality is all over the Bible. And we see that God always leaves a place at his table for you and for me. So in our church, what does this look like? looks like saying hello to the people around you because the very fact that they're made in God's image makes them interesting. I mean, just take a look around. We're all made in God's image. It's interesting. It means looking after each other. When someone's been unwell or if they've had a baby or they've moved house, we often make meals for people. Why do we have to wait for those things? Invite someone to Sunday lunch. You can build community and friendships. And here's the key. We want to treat each other like they're made in the image of God because they are. Join the hosting team. It's such a fun team. And it's such a privilege because you're the first people who get to show our congregation and our guests the love of Jesus. Adopt a student. I mean, they're on our front row. (laughs) Adopt a student. Invite them round for dinner. It doesn't have to be complicated. And then thinking wider outside of a Sunday, what does hospitality look like? It looks like asking God, who is in need? Who do you want me to go to? Who is God asking you to be hospitable to? 
He might be asking you to bring someone and host them at Alpha starting soon. Let's be asking, God, who is it you want me to bring to Alpha? He might be asking you to go on a walk with someone, to call around a neighbor's house just to check in. Again, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's just saying, I'm here. So I want to end by telling you of a really exciting opportunity here at Concord Church, and it's an opportunity to host our community. So after the, over the past few months, we feel God has been putting internationals on our hearts as a church, and specifically those who are seeking asylum and those who have been given refugee status. Unfortunately, due to how asylum seekers are processed, uh, we're seeing that when refugee status is finally granted, many end up homeless with no job or no means of generating income because the support just stops. Many who are seeking asylum are living in hotels where food is of no nutritional value. And this leads to both poor physical and mental health. We also see that many don't speak a lot of English, and I believe this is one of the main barriers for refugees and those seeking asylum to feel confident and settled in a country so different from their own. Without language skills, they struggle to find volunteer or paid work. It's hard to find services to support their needs, and it's really difficult to find friends and build community and build a life in a culture so different from their own. So because of all this, we believe that God is asking us to open an international hub. And this will be aimed specifically for those who are seeking asylum, have refugee status, or other internationals who are just struggling to settle into the UK. We'll have the opportunity to host these people where we'll share a cooked meal together and spend time building relationships, playing games, and being a friendly face. We'll also have English language lessons designed to support those who come in communicating confidently. Have you ever been invited to a meal and it's clear they, the host has put so much effort in, they've picked your favorite food, they've researched your favorite talking points, and you, it just makes you feel so loved, so seen, and so known. And that sort of feeling is what we want for those who come to the International Hub. That from the moment they arrive through our hearts, they know that Jesus sees and loves them. If this is kind of hitting any of your hearts and you'd like to be involved in this new ministry, this new um, opportunity to be hospitable, please come and chat to me at the end. I will be around, but I'd love to talk to you. But we're really excited about this opportunity. So as I close, I just want you to take a moment to reflect on what Bristol, our city, might look like if we showed the hospitality of Jesus. I think it would be totally transformed. That we would see a community that advocates for each other, a community that looks out to the vulnerable in society and loves in the sacrificial way Jesus does. It is a community that knows each other, that sees each other, that cares for each other. Is this something that we want to see? I know it's something I want to see. <laughs> so, to finish, I know I said to finish a few times now, but I, this is really to finish. Hospitality is a byproduct 
of aligning our hearts with God's. Treat people like they're made in God's image because they are. Treat people like they're God's precious possession because they are. And this is what true worship is. Treat them like the unexpected, the uninvited guest you've prepared for because this is what God does for us. There's always a seat at his table. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that there is always a seat at your table for us. And we pray, Lord, as we go out from here, that you would align our hearts with yours, that you would show us who it is that you want us to, to be there for, to be hospitable to. And we pray, Lord, that as a church, we would be known for our prepared seats and empty chairs ready to be filled. And we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, not our kingdom, not our will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.